the New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by BNZ, helping you be good with money. Welcome along to the New Zealand Business Podcast. Uh, today we're with Bruce Conlon, who's a CEO of a new digital agency called Digital Engine. Welcome along, Bruce. Thank you, Paul. How are you doing? Very well, very well. Now, great to have you here. You're, um, I mean, you've only been back in New Zealand for a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you been doing for the past seven years What have, uh, s- since I last saw you? Um, <laughs> seven years is a long time. Um, I have been uh, in the UK uh, for almost all that time. I've obviously come back a couple of times to see family here. Um, we We moved over there... Uh, to well, originally, um, I was actually going to do some music. I was a professional musician over here, and um, I mixed and mastered the album in New York. And thought, well, okay, we'll go to London for a while. I weren't quite sure how long we're going to stay. Um, in the end, like London can do, it just kind of sucks you in. Um, and so I picked up doing what I was doing here in New Zealand. I had a software company here, um, doing you know websites and you know, in the nineties and two thousands. Let's let's show my age, but. Um, I think there was the web back then, wasn't there? It sort of, yeah. It, 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 HTML. There was something stuff, going on. Man. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, kind of at that point, you know, music was making bills, and I thought, well, probably need to do some IT to pay the bills. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I got uh, into uh, management, uh, senior management over there, still sort of website and and. Uh, who were the who were the sort of clients and companies? Just so we get a, a picture on on the sort of the scale of the businesses that you were you were working with there. Yeah, so um, I started off with Emap, who's um, a, a publisher there. They do most magazines you'd see on on the shelves because I came from sort of a print and digital background and and making electronic versions of print, and then moved on to um, Royal Mail, which is the equivalent of New Zealand Post over there. Uh, manage their site rebuilds. And then on to Lloyd's TSB, which is, uh, you know, the same sort of icon as the National Bank, but they're massive over there. They, they, um, they're one of the largest banks in the backbone. Virgin Atlantic, um, um, senior management for them and, uh, BBC magazines as well. Great. Oh, well, that, uh, I think that helps give us a bit of a, bit of a picture. So you, you, you weren't at all dealing in the sort of the small to medium business space. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of the lessons and things that you've learnt will be, I think, relevant, uh, right across the board because you've worked in teams, um, you know, from very small to, to, to really large. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I think, you know, I'm really, really keen to hear some of the, uh, some of those experiences and the things that you've learnt, uh, whilst you've been overseas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, how you might apply those now that you're back in New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, was, what I love about the way we're working in New Zealand is you, you kind of, you do a bit of everything, you know, so it's not really clearly defined specialized roles, you know, oh, well, I only do design and I only do this or I only manage, you know, it's quite a lot in New Zealand. Everyone's sort of pulls together and, and as a team, you kind of make it work. I think it's probably getting a bit more specialized these days, but, um, you know, somewhere like London, it's very specialized. You, you just do that thing. And if, if you step over the line, do something else, then, you know, you might get your hand slapped. And so that was kind of one of the really big first lessons is how do you make a team work together that is, um, focused on pulling together and achieving a goal together when they are quite specialized like that? Um, so that they're not throwing stuff over the fence. So, well, it's, it's not my problem, you know, whereas, you know, that was one of the big differences with, with New Zealanders. People would just take it on and all, all help each other. And so quite a lot of that, that first phase was just an adjustment. Figuring out, okay, 
Right. So, so, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm not the designer. I'm just, I'm, I'm managing here and I'm helping these guys get to a point where they can get a really great product for the client. Um, so quite a lot of the, the, the first phase was just me getting used to how UK culture <laughs> worked as opposed to New Zealand culture. Um, and there is a big different difference, isn't there, in terms of the the working culture, and and probably every part of the world has it, its uniquenesses, even between in New Zealand and, and Australia. There are big differences. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And you know, that's one that is one of the beautiful things I love about coming back to New Zealand is is seeing their appetite for change and seeing people kind of okay with that, kind of okay with all. You know, okay, something's come in the door and, you know, we now need to make an adjustment in the way that we work. And it might be a really significant thing. There might be government policy or some sort of change that's come in that's, that's influenced how we need to work now. But people will change really quickly here, which I think is a really beautiful thing. Um, you know, and there's no sort of historical backlog of stuff of, well, we can't do that because we've done it this way for a thousand years, you know. So, so I think that that's, that's, a definite cultural shift that, you know, it's important to understand those cultures too because otherwise you're just railing against the machine that's there and, and getting frustrated and wondering why everyone's not moving in the direction you want them to move in. And especially like in a management role, you've got to get that. You've got to understand the culture and, and figure out, well, okay, what's what's going on here? Okay, what sort of personality have we got? How can we sort of blur the lines and get them all working together um, because at the end of the day, it's a very human process. Any project is very human. You know, it's like you're cooking a meal tonight. You, you go down to the restaurant, you go to the start of a project, you go down to the, sorry, the supermarket and you're thinking, okay, start of the project is we've got some ingredients. I need to find what we're going to have. You're either a person that will read a recipe book or know beforehand or you just wander around the supermarket, get inspiration. But either way, you've got the start. Then you've got some resources and you've got a timeline and then a meal at the end of it, you know. And, and, you know, when you think about people quite often dehumanize projects, whether they're small scale or large scale, and look at them and think, okay, you know, they, they, they get all their methodology head on, all the jargon and everything kind of goes into this thing about how a project's supposed to be run. But stepping back from it, you go, well, it's a bunch of people in a room trying to achieve something. So how do, how do I realize that? How do I understand that there's humans here who have needs and interactions and things that they, they want to achieve personally? And that actually at the end of the day, we've got an end customer who wants a really good product. So having a really well working team and how, and, and having things flow through that team in a really good way that people actually enjoy or they accept or, and they understand doesn't freak them out, helps them do the best possible job they can do. How do you do that? How do you get the humans who are involved in a process not just to be a bunch of cogs, but actually come to work and be really excited about it and, and actually deliver something fantastic? So how did you learn how to get that stuff right or, or better than uh, how you had it uh, before, and particularly as you ended up with um, um, you know, the, the challenges of bigger teams mm. and yeah, maybe people that weren't always as flexible as you, as you might like in terms of you know, blurring the lines of their, uh, um, you know, their, their roles? The unfortunate answer is the hard way. Um, <laughs> and it really was. Like I, my first few months that I arrived in London, they shipped me up to a place called Peterborough, which definitely is not London. It's the opposite of London. Um, and I, I kind of thought that's what people do. They, they move to London and then they work outside of London. When in fact, obviously the opposite's true. Um, and you know, I, I was up there four nights a week, really involved in this project with a client who was new to web. 
Um, so, you know, they, they had an, a learning curve themselves. And, and I had a team with some really, really strong personalities and, and then some really not strong personalities who, you know, were just kind of, you know, and it's kind of bringing them up as well and getting them involved. And I think, you know, there was some people, honestly, because I was the senior manager, I wanted to fire. I'm not, I'm not, you know, you're just going, wow, this, this person's really hard work. But actually at the end of the day, putting that pride aside and thinking, hang on. They, they actually are making a better product. Like, you know, they're a designer who, who's got a flair for the dra- dramatic. Um, or they're, you know, a coder who just, it has to be this way, my way or the highway or something. But, you know, we all have that in the teams that we have. We've got these personalities that, that will, that need or, or do operate in a, in a way. And it's about identifying, well, how do we, how do we help them play nicely? Um, you know, of course, occasionally there's a time where you kind of actually, this person isn't right for this project. Sure. But a lot of the time I think it was about, okay, the hard way trying to figure out, I really want this to work. We really, really want a great product. How do we actually get a process that makes people feel empowered to do their job? And, uh, but at the same time allows for their personalities. And sometimes it might be the, just separate those two people. Just don't have them in the same room. Because we know what's going to happen. Sparks are going to fly. And, you know, he had a few sure. things like that, but that's what happens on the big teams and the smaller teams. It's even more focused because you've got the, the five people who are working on the project. And sometimes you don't have that luxury to kind of separate it, but you just have to find a way through, you know. And so, I mean, what do you do to sort of, you know, support the, you know, different people with their different personalities? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do you do you coach them how to work with the others? What are the what are the sort of the, the common uh, you know, things that you you find that you're you're doing with um, you know, the various mix of people that you come across on a team? I, I think probably the first thing is trying to just get where they're coming from. Um, uh, you know, I'm thinking of a particular person in my mind right now, and it's someone that he and I had quite a few Barneys actually along the way, but in a that's I think, quite an English word, isn't it? Sorry, it is. Um, <laughs> in, a, in a quite, because uh, I, I don't think friction's wrong, actually. I think friction can quite often get you towards a goal. And as long as you're arguing in the same direction, you're not just arguing for the sake of your own pride or thing, idea that you have, then it's not necessarily a bad thing. We had that quite a lot of times where a person from each of the disciplines, you know, the designer and the, you know, sorry, I know I'm talking about web here, but just in general, it applies to anything where you're thinking, there's someone from this area of expertise and another one from another area and they've got different viewpoints. And quite often it's a really good mix because you need that to balance out the, the thing to get there. So I think a lot of it was understanding where the person's coming from. What is it that they're actually trying to do? Is it valid? Do we, do we kind of agree with it? Even if I don't maybe even understand, there's a lot of things I just, I didn't understand. It wasn't my field of expertise. Sure. But I could see that for the, for the good of the project, it was the right thing. So is it a personality thing? Or is it actually they're just trying to have their voice heard? Or, you know, it's trying to sort of separate that and, and, and I think sort of guide them towards coming back to that point of, well, here's where we're trying to go. Because, I mean, my, my whole thing was, you know, I manage people to get them from A to B. Because you've got to deliver an outcome. Totally. My, my responsibility is to the customer ultimately and the client in between who's trying to get there is to is they they come to me with a need I work out what they need is to break it out throughout the team figure out how we're going to deliver it and then hopefully give them what we were trying to deliver um with the least friction possible and under budget of course every time so um, so I mean man, managing these uh yeah a large project I mean it probably doesn't matter what field it's 
it's in. I mean, in your case, predominantly, uh, you know, web and, and the digital space. Mm. Um, how do you how do you handle that when things you know the wheels sort of start falling off? Because you know, every every project will have some challenges in it, right? Mm. Uh, and you need to divert things, you know, back in the right direction. How do you handle that when it's uh, that's going to mess up your budget, mess up your timeline, um, upset some people? Uh, yeah, th- those are the, I guess the um, the painful parts for 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 all of us. Absolutely. What, what have you What have you learned that uh, that you now sort of br- you know bring into play when you're handling these these projects? I, I think the first thing is realizing it will happen. You know, if you if you go in with your head in the sand, thinking that no, no, I planned it, I planned it to the nth degree. This is this is going to work out exactly as it. You know, I've never once seen from small to large scale ever go that perfectly because there's just stuff you didn't anticipate someone upgrades something or changes a policy or you know something happens where with all the will in the world it's different now key team member leaves key team they're ill just yeah. just just simple things just happen along mm-hmm. the way and i think so how do, how do you manage that through i think well it's it's just first understanding that it is going to happen so just just accept that and then i think there's so much about transparency and honesty like we had a particular uh, client partner who did not want things to be told to the client. They said, no, no, just, just hide it from them. We'll fix it ourselves. The trouble was, and you know, and I, I was on the level with him, but he was more dealing with the client. I was saying that the thing is we actually need the client's help to solve this problem. So by hiding it from them and us going away in a corner and doing stuff, we're, you know, we're going to get ourselves into a deeper hole. And, you know, it, it happened. Time-wise, cost-wise, relationship-wise. And it really did happen that way. And I kept on saying to them, we cannot keep hiding stuff. So I think the next thing is transparency and just being honest and failing quickly. You know, it's a lean startup principle, Kaizen, continuous improvement, whatever you want to sort of call it. It's that idea that failing isn't wrong. Just fail fast Learn from it really quickly and do it in small increments if you can, especially if you're doing a long project that's two years long. If you go away into a black box, don't tell anyone what you're doing. You, know, you spec it up at the beginning and they go, yep, we're off, we're doing it. Give you the money, sign a check, do the work, come back and they go, wow, that's kind of not what we we're expecting. Well, we kind of hit a few bumps along the road. We had to do it. Well, I wish you'd told me along the way type thing. It's just, it's, it's not a great way to run things. You know, it's better to deal with pain you know, quickly. You know, just just deal with it, make a decision. Even if you're scared that the client's not going to like it, I think that generally we found that that actually wasn't the case. The client loved; they didn't like the problem. Don't get me wrong; they was like, oh, I kind of wish that problem wasn't there, but they loved the fact that we were telling them about it. There was nothing hidden. They'd come on present on on site. They'd be in the meetings, and the team members were were like, my whole mantra was speak freely. Just say say what you need to say. It's cool that the client's here. That's him introducing to everyone. You know, this is what we, this is what we're trying to do. Because if we've got a problem, either they can help us, but at least they'll know about it. They can go back to their teams and help us and collectively we'll get towards an end goal. Well, it's a partnership, isn't it? Then you're, you're all working towards the same thing. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and in that sense, you get everyone's buy-in and there's not a lot of rock throwing later where it's like, but he said, she said, it's just like, well, we all kind of knew this was happening. It was all on the table. We all sort of dealt with it, and and you know, it, it was it was that fundamental lesson I think from that very first project. It was about it was about nine months long of hiding stuff and just because I you know I was basically muffled. I wasn't allowed. To, I did actually say something in a meeting once, and they said, 
you know, he just waved his finger to tell me to be quiet again. I was like, this is no way to run a project. <laughs> but I learned so much from that one project. Yeah. Well, you often do, right? I, you know, I think I look back on some of the things I've learned over the years. Often it's through things being done in a way that I've now, uh, you know, decided, no, I'll be completely the other end of the scale from that uh, – those things really sink in, but it's it's nice when we can learn other people's lessons. So that's why I'm enjoying about this discussion. <laughs> I failed very fast. I failed quickly, but yeah, that is the thing. I think you no, know, just it's okay. Cool, you you learn something and and turn it into something that you'll do better next time. And you know, try to do it in daily or weekly things rather than waiting until the end of the project. I never get. I don't know if people are familiar with a thing called sunset reviews, but you do a project. And right at the end, everyone gets in the room, including all the customer, and saying, "Cool, how did it go? You know, what would what went wrong? What could do better?" And I'm kind of like, "It's too late. The horse is bolted by that point." You know, so that, that's why sort I like post project review type yeah, exactly. situation. I think it's too yeah. Late. You've got to be doing it along the way, don't you? But I mean, there still is room. I think there are times to to do that as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, your point of doing that along the way. So are you quite formal in terms of booking? Uh, yeah, your, your meetings and and reviews with your team members. How do you actually do that sort of practically? And how do you fit that in if you've got a big big team? How does that mm. how does that look? Um, well, yeah, so, so depending on, on team sizes, I think sometimes you have teams of teams where sure. you might have a small team get together to review things and then take those learnings to a, a larger team where you do it across the program. Cause you know, we had very large teams of you know, 50 to two to a thousand people involved, you know, and so we obviously can't have a thousand people in a room. You have to work on a, that was a crisis like the Lord's Galaxy, hundreds of millions of pounds. So, you know, this is, that's a big program. But the thing is within those groups is, Having that cadence from week to week, you know, I mean, if you're doing it agile in terms of a methodology, you might do it in one week sprints or two or three weeks. Whatever your cadence is, is to have that formal point where it's a few hours and it's set aside, it's sacred, it doesn't change. You know, we always did ours on the Wednesdays because then if there were public holidays on the Monday or people going away on the weekends, at least we had everyone there most likely during the week. That's a good point. Yeah, you often do lose lose your um, structure because of those things it yeah. breaks it all up totally and ju- it's just simple things like just have it in the middle of the week we we didn't have it at nine o'clock in the morning because some people are late into work they've been you know, especially in london they've been out the night before tuesday night i know it's not right but it happens um but you know just from week to week and whether it's a two or a three week but there's a cadence there where people know they've got a voice they can come in and, and throughout the sprint they can be making notes and saying i, I really need to talk to that talk about that with the team later and say this didn't go well how can we do it better next time and that and that from that meeting you know we write down the things that our lessons learned and say okay we're going to tackle three of them you, know, you, you pick a number but there might be 10 things on the list but we're going to take three of them we'll carry them across from meeting to meeting um, and we'll do more if we can but we'll, we will guarantee to hit those three things and so every week people feel like they've got heard. We vote on the issues so that people, the most important issues stay at the top and, and we deal with them. And, you know, if we can't deal with them because there's some outside influence or, or even inside influence that we just can't sort at that time, we'll keep it on there and we'll just update and say, look, we, we didn't quite get that thing solved. But there's always a continual feeling of momentum and improvement and that people are listening to you and understanding the fact that this problem that you've been dealing with for the last few weeks that, costs you half a day every week or, or whatever it is, someone's going to look at it. Mm. And it might just be a simple thing. My laptop is so slow. Can you just fix it, please? Yep, can't get, can't get my piece done. <laughs> so, now, you mentioned voting there on the most important things. Mm. That's not something that I've you know, commonly come across. Mm. Usually 
you know, the, the, the team leader, the project leader, uh, you know, tends to be quite sort of dictatorial. <laughs> um, tell, tell me about the, the voting thing. And did you always get your own way because you had done a good job of, uh, of selling what was important? Or I, I'm, I'm really curious about that. That's, I haven't really thought about it like that. I mean, that's a really interesting point. It's, it's probably, I, I don't see myself, I mean, it's quite funny. One of my cards was people had, they, they put my face on a shepherd with all the sheep following them. You know, there's obviously a <laughs> sense that the team knew that I was leading them in a direction. Yeah, yeah. But especially in meetings like that, actually, me as the manager, I, I take a back seat. I sit down the back of the room. It's the team's meeting. So in the end of the day, I, I'm, cause all I'm, what my job is, is basically a glorified facilitator. I'm, I have to step back and realize that other people are really good at their job. That's why they got employed. They've got really good skills. And to be honest, all I'm doing, I'm just, I'm just the glue. I just stick people together and say, cool. Okay. And what do you need? And what, okay. And how do I, you know, okay. And fit it all together and then just let them get on with their job. And so in that sense, to be honest, what my issue is, I mean, t- to be fair, there were times where I did have an issue, like, you know, say in a client meeting, someone was, someone's, I don't know, inappropriate or something or whatever like that. It's like, okay, we kind of need to, just for the general work ethic, not do that. There might be things like that, but in general, it was, it was the team's stuff, so they voted on it. And it wasn't really my I, – I almost like – I was happy if the team was getting what they needed. So my agenda almost didn't matter, really. All right. So I guess that level uh, depends on the, the level of your team and, and, and you know, and, and That's so a really on. good point, actually. And in terms of team maturity, in a way, or, or team – we – because in, in any large team, like I'm thinking the Virgin Atlantic team, we basically had 50 people. And there were some very quiet people on there, or very new people, graduates who'd come in. And there's some very outspoken, loud, you know, sort of senior people. And, and so part of the sort of democracy of it was everyone gets a chance to say something around the table. Correct. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But, and also, if someone was saying too much, it was like, Cool. You know, you, you've had you've had sure. your, your peace. Yeah, and it was amazing. Like the first few were a bit messy. Let's be honest. You know, the first few that when people were still quite shy. But after a while, the main thing was when people knew that when they they were going to be heard, then people started to speak up because they were like, well, okay, I'm not going to get slapped on the wrist. It's, you know, everyone wants to know how we can do it better next time. So it kind of facilitated. It's incredible seeing it. You know, it's like a, an organic thing where just people slowly started to. Um, equalize and the voice became came you know and and the the other amazing thing about it is it, it happens out of that meeting now people are really happy to talk to each other oh my goodness really people are talking themselves and not just hiding in the, you know but people became really really open and it, it kind of kept happening throughout the week where people were just continually improving stuff they just go well let's do this so it wasn't just about that meeting it just created a culture where people knew change was okay accept it get going and do it better next time if you can and, if, and to be honest if you fail next time it's okay again we'll learn from it and we'll, we'll try it again that's great and I mean did you have much resistance to that that way of uh, working um, yeah I, I think because there's especially like when there's money involved because you know like where you've got a procurement or, or someone who's who's holding the purse strings to this project you know it almost seems a bit sort of 
you know, touchy feely in terms of all this. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm, I was dealing with some very non touchy feely people who just were not into this way of doing things. Yeah, I could imagine sort of, a, you know, as you, you know, you're reporting to people that are, yeah, demanding results now and something's not right and, uh, maybe want the, uh, yep. uh, hammer to come down sort of thing. Yep. And, and there are two parts to that. One was when you're able to feed back to them directly the honesty, like when they know that they've heard the truth. So we made a mistake. No, hands up. Sorry about that. Something, here's what happened, blah, blah, blah. And here's what we did to, to solve it. And here's what next time we're going to do to make sure that it doesn't happen again. You know, so some of that transparency was just confidence. They knew that what this was doing was helping the process so that, um, actually it would get more and more streamlined. And it really did. Like it was incredible how random things became unrandom and just became quite, quite known, you know, and so, th- and that's a really good thing for someone who's spending money is going, I like knowing things. Um, but the, the other side of it was like, it, cause waterfall projects, and we had that with Lloyd's, TSB, it's a bank, they want things structured right up front. They expect everything from, from dotting the I's and T's, you know, but the, the, the point was trying to allow them to think, okay, you can do that, but you've just got to be open to change because again, it doesn't, nothing works out how you think it would on day one. So how are we going to manage change well? So that you get the result you need in a somewhat predictable fashion, so that you feel confident with us in the process. Good. Now, um, looking to New Zealand, you're back here in New Zealand. You've you've obviously uh, you've made the most of your time in the UK, and in terms of uh, uh, learning, and and you've been part of some um, you know some really interesting projects. Mm. Where does that leave you coming back here? Where uh, you know, a thousand person team, you know, that doesn't really happen every day, um, <laughs> if, if at all, generally. Uh, you know, it, it's quite a different scale. Mm. Where do you see you're going to be able to apply those things? And what's the, uh, I guess, what's the benefit you bring back to New Zealand, you know, having built relationships over overseas and so on? Um, with the agency that you've started here, would you be, uh, Focusing on New Zealand customers, mm. or do you see a, you know a good opportunity uh, with maybe some of those that you've worked with in the UK to do to do export business, as it were? I, I think you know, business is business. At the end of the day, um, I, I'm very open to to both. At the moment, I'm I'm stacked with UK clients. I'm in discussion with I mean uh, new clients here, um, and want to grow as much as we can and have. Uh, New Zealand people employed, um, doing, doing work. And I think the beautiful thing again about New Zealand is, is the attitude. So I think there's a real fit of, of how you can, um, do this change within the customer and keep evolving. So, you know, I, I want to grow it here, um, in terms of the agency. At the moment, just by relationship, just with the fact that I was there, I've got a, a lot of UK work. Um, uh, but I think, you know, there's, what can I bring to here? I don't know. I'm just a guy doing stuff, but I, I think you know the reality is it does seem a shame to have been in those sorts of environments and at that senior level and, and seen how things play out. Um, and and you know I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I feel like I positively affected that change and made people think twice about it being a machine as opposed to being a human organic thing. You know, and 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 seeing that carry on now in those projects, even now that I'm gone. So I guess it's it's you know. Um, doing any consulting here or what, whatever there is and obviously the web and app work that we're doing 
it's more just carrying that culture through really I think and and just showing that there is a different way to work you don't have to go to work every day and just feel like a cog you can go to work and get involved and have someone actually adjust the process with you and, and make it better um, for, for you and the client now we're in um we're in a global marketplace, obviously now. Uh, you know, business doing business uh, today, especially if you're working uh, web and online and so on. Uh, yeah, you can really be anywhere in the world. Your team members can be anywhere. Your customers can be anywhere. What sort of opportunities do you see that that creates for you know? Now that you're you, you're back, you're in New Zealand. Mm. Um, you know what sort of opportunities should we be, uh, yeah, taking advantage of here, yeah, in New Zealand with you know both established businesses and new businesses starting up. Mm. Um, how should we be thinking to take advantage of that? I mean, is it okay to be using, uh, you know, offshore resources that are working in different time zones, or is that stealing, uh, you know, food from the plate plates of our, uh, um, you know, our local population? What are your thoughts on these things? I mean, at the end of the day. You've got to be competitive. So, you know, there may be some hard decisions you have to make in terms of how can you meet that rate that someone's willing to pay. Um, in general, though, it's looking at what is the advantage that's right in front of us, which is we've got a very different time zone. And so, you know, in, in the web world or call centers or whatever like that, we've got an obvious thing there. We're awake while other people are asleep. You know, and if you if you match up time zones around the world, you can actually get a full twenty four hour working day there. It's not it's not as difficult as it used to be, but yes, there's obviously the logistics in there and handovers. But again, that's part of looking at a process. How can you do it really efficiently? So it's minimal change throughout all the centers that you're working on. You've got a really slim process. You've listened to people. How can you make it work so that actually you can get a fully functioning around the clock? Cycle, you know, and that's a lot of what we're doing in the UK. We're, you know, we're, we're managing some of the things while they're sleeping and they're, you know, it's great. They've got alert people who aren't trying to have coffee to stay awake, sure. you know, doing stuff. Um, and I, th- I think the rate is competitive here. Um, especially compared to the UK, maybe not so for other places. You know, South Africa would still expect to pay less than we are here. India's cheaper again. You know, there's definitely, um, places around the world which, you know, uh, sometimes going to be more competitive, but I think you're right. It's a global market. So wherever you see a need, if you can fulfill it, um, then go for it. That's good. And, uh, have you given any, any thought? I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's quite natural with, with, you know, digitally oriented businesses to be able to, um, yeah, take advantage of, of those, those, those sorts of things, a distributed workforce and, and, and time zones and so on. Has it uh, crossed your mind any other sort of uh, yeah, particular fields where New, New Zealand uh, yeah, could be taking advantage of these things and, and maybe we're not much just yet and, and you see an opportunity? There was an article, I think, in the paper a little while ago about the call centres down, um, you know, and they're actually flying people from the UK over to, to, to be here as well to help in that call centre. I think, again, something where, that you know, because when you've got physical goods, um, you've got logistics, and it certainly doesn't make it impossible. And if you've definitely, if you've got something unique like our New Zealand lamb and all these things like that, then you've got something, you've got a selling point straight away that you can't get it anywhere else. So you go to New Zealand to get that thing. Um, 
but it's it's trying to take advantage of those those things where the time zone might help or that we can just do it cheaper here or it's a unique good like our tourism and things like that that will bring people and bring money here i think you know obviously i'm a bit focused in on on the the it side of things because that's what i know but you know there there's still a lot of opportunity here i think in terms of how people are creative the think tanks the way we do the way that we tackle a problem differently we just see it you know financial markets where we see see how to do things differently and i i think in any market where you've got innovators where i think new zealand just has that ability to just you know number eight fencing wire whatever it is we just look at something we pull it apart and go well why don't we just try this why don't we just you know and and, and quite often i think other cultures are very close minded they've done it this way for a long time and i think that's the advantage we've got is find that thing that you know a lot about and if you think differently you can sell it. And do you think that was recognised, you know, when, when you're working overseas, do you think it was recognised that New Zealanders have something to offer that's, yeah, more than just average? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and you know, they, they, they know us as hard workers. It's without a doubt. New Zealanders, Aussies and South Africans, they know we're hard workers. They all lump us together, but it's just the way it yeah, is. Yeah, that seems to happen in, in London, doesn't it? <laughs> as much as you don't like it. But um, the... The, the thing is, I think, you know, we, we're known as hard workers and people who will just get, get involved and will, will look for a solution and won't just say, Oh, it's, you know, it's five o'clock. I'm off now. Or, or won't just say, Well, that's not my job. You know, and I think that that's actually a really good trait because then people see you as helpful. And that's where I think you can really excel because, you know, if you're helpful and you get involved and you, you make someone else's job easier, they'll love you for it. And that's why I guess yeah, Kiwis will often move up quite quickly through through the ranks and and other markets. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. great. Well, uh, really enjoyed this chat, Bruce. Thank you for your time. Yeah, you too, mate. Um, and uh, yeah, best best of luck with your uh, your business endeavours here in New Zealand. And uh, we we hope you can generate lots of uh, export uh, revenue, which is uh, good for all of us. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks a lot, Paul. Excellent. Cheers. Cheers. The New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by BNZ, helping you be good with money.